When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Really? No, really. Really? No, really. Welcome. I'm Peter Tillman. Next to me is my good friend. I like that. Jason Alexander. And we're here to do another episode of Really? No, really. Today's episode, a little... That was very smooth, by the way. That was the best we've ever done. I'm sorry, I interrupted. And by the way... And I killed the you flow. You killed it, you killed I, the... I, I killed I the flow by commenting to, on the flow. It was almost too professional. Yeah. So, but thank you. I couldn't let it go. I couldn't let it go. Yeah. So this is a, a pretty heady episode of Really No Really, because I saw that Ray Kurzweil, who is a futurist who they say has one of the best records for predicting things that have come true. He's the Jimmy the Greek of, of futurists. Of, I, and I, by, I, by the way, he's saying thank you for that. Yeah, he's the Nate Silver. <laughs> In 1990, he protected the world's best chess player, would lose to a computer by 2000, and it happened in 1997. So he was off. When Deep Blue, when Deep Blue uh, beat Gary Kasparov. Yes. Um, he said by 2023, $1,000 laptop would have a human brain's computing power and storage capability. And many other things. And the latest thing he said was that humans will achieve immortality in eight years. Uh, he's a Google engineer. Really? Really? No, really. No, yeah. really. And he says it's, it will happen with a combination of genetics, yeah. the nanotechnology, you know, that will be able to repair. Yes. Um, and robotics. Yes. We know that Elon Musk has said things about melding the brain with AI. Uh, and so, and so, everything he says is true and happens. Well, nice cars. Yeah. But we wanted to get somebody on to find out because this is way above our pay grade. Yes. So we said, what the hey, let's get an expert. Let's get an expert. And then we found him. So uh, today we'll be chatting with a gentleman who is the professor of biological gerontology at the University of Brighton. He's the past chair of the British Society for Research on Aging and the American Aging Association. He's been studying the relationship between cellular senescence, which we will find out more about, and aging for more than 30 years. He's been named one of the top 100 longevity leaders by Aging Analytics. Please welcome, from the University of Brighton, Professor of Biological Gerontology, Professor Richard Farragher. How are you doing, Professor? 
Very well. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on the show, particularly when the introductions apparently have reached their peak. (laughs) The people may get you, but this is the point where it all, you know, comes to roost. It came to the peak. I just have to say right off the top that the accent and the tie, this is the classiest we will ever be on this show. Well, you know, it's funny. My son used to say this, that if you're, because he went to England for a semester and he came back and he said, in America, when a guy's in a park yelling, the world's coming to an end. We're all the. Yeah. You go, what a lunatic. Well, in in Britain, you go, tell me more. Yeah. The world is coming to an end. It sounds so incredible and reason. You go, okay, come to the house. We'll it's give like you the- a TV channel. Exactly. It comes from, you know, I, 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 you know, I went into gerontology because I was growing up in the 70s and there were like three TV channels. And so all of them were, in, there was nothing on. And it encouraged you to go outside and Do sit something. on a wall and wait for something to happen. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so that's how I ended. That's how I ended up here. What's your excuse? <laughs> nothing to do. Um, nothing to exactly. hate. We're just talking to you. We didn't yeah. go into it. All right. Oh my god. <laughs> so the interesting thing is, I get the overall question for me, and we can get into singularity and Kurzweil. But as you get older, what actually endures? I mean, that's the biggest question. What's what's the what's the point? Of living longer, and so where are where when you study this, is that taken into consideration? Yeah, I think to I think to an extent, you know, the the immortality thing always kind of makes me smile because it, it sits at the it sits at the the opposite end of uh, of a spectrum. If I do go to public understanding of science lectures, about one time in five, there's a guy who comes up to me and says. I don't want to live forever. I always say, that's great because you don't have the option. <laughs> and they always look disappointed. And it's strange because I sit there and think, if I went into a restaurant, you know, if you went into a restaurant, I would say a waiter. And, you know, he opened the menu and said, I really hate crab cakes. And I said, well, you're in luck, sir, because we're not serving them today. <laughs> I wouldn't expect the guy to glare at me. It's just run at work. I, you know, I demand you, you serve me stuff I don't like. and. At the other end, there is this immortality thing. And it's often helpful to unpack, I think, what that means to the person who said it. Alongside the guy who says, you know, I don't want to live forever. There's usually someone who says, I do. And rather than, you know, just disappointing them straight out, I try and and let them down gently by saying, are you aware that, you know, forever is a bugger of a long time, actually? <laughs> you know, a, a, a reasonable argument can be made that it's all the time there is. <laughs> you know, this isn't a long time as humans count time. This is like a long time as stars count time. We are talking multiple stellar lifetimes yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. You put it, you yeah, already, we're done. Then, you got it. You got me. <laughs> yeah, there, there we go. Okay, that, 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 oh my that's gosh. it. So, you know, you can, you know, so, oh my gosh, is, that's great. Is, is gerontology, particularly in the way that you are researching it, is it, is it about living longer or living better longer or some combination? Well, this is where it becomes, this is where it gets really interesting because lying behind these kinds of discussions is something that I think is going to be really important. It's going to be really transformative, if not for us, then for our kids. And I think that's incredibly hopeful. And so, you know, as long as there have been people 
we've known that something about how old you are also affects how healthy you are. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of evidence that there are a few common processes. You can call them aging mechanisms if you want. I tend to think of them as health maintenance mechanisms that exist to keep us healthy. Problems start to occur as they start to fail. For the first time in human history, I think we've got a pretty good handle on what some of those mechanisms are. And we can chat about that if you would like. And this understanding is starting to reach the point where we are starting to go into clinical trials with um, some compounds based on this. And most clinical trials fail. You know, the analogy that I sometimes use with people is the different, you know, a clinical trial is a bit like getting an audition. Okay, you've got an audition, you probably shouldn't be picking out the place for your star on Hollywood Boulevard mm. just yet, right. or wondering which private island you're going to be. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to do a lot of those if you make it there. And I think it's fair to say the mechanisms are kind of screen testing well. There's 60 ongoing trials, I think, on drugs that destroy senescent cells at the moment. And, and can you just, because uh, I have it written down here and I, I have some understanding, but can you just talk about senescence for a moment and what that is? Absolutely. I'm very happy to do that. So as I say, there seems to be good evidence for some biological processes acting as what we call aging mechanisms. And if you get rid of it, that slows aging down. And if you increase the rate at which it appears, it speeds aging up. So what happens with cell senescence is this. It was first discovered by a very bright guy called Leonard Hayflick in the early 60s. And for reasons that don't matter, for a little while in the 20th century, early 20th century, it was believed that cells had no limits to division. Hayflick showed that they did. And since they had limits to division, this suggested that the accumulation of these cells over time would contribute to aging and disease. And so the way it works simply is this. In the normal course of your life, you lose cells. That loss has to be balanced by cell division or you run out of cells. That cell division is actively monitored as part of an anti-cancer mechanism. Um, because you pick up most of the mutations that predispose you to cancer when you're replicating DNA. Mm -hmm. And after a variable number of divisions, that cell does two things. It will never divide again, and it changes its behavior, and it adopts um, a series of damaging activities. Why is it doing this? because it wants to be found and killed by cells in your immune system. It wants to be got rid of. The problem is that your immune system is also made of cells, and it is aging. And so when you're young, as soon as you make a senescent cell, it's clobbered by your immune system. When you're kind of my age, it's more like, you know, you ring the insurance company or something like that, <laughs> and it's just your call is important to us. You will stay on the line, you know. And it's kind of like that. So you start; these things start to build up, and 
this starts to cause all sorts of problems. In laboratory animals where we've been able to engineer them such that it's possible to remove senescent cells chemically, you see um, an increase in lifespan of about 25% sometimes to 30%. And what you also see is a big improvement in health. The data that I like most is wheel running. If you take these little mice that have had their senescent cells removed and you compare them to their litter mates who've been left alone, they run about twice as far and about twice as fast. And no one's making these mice run. They're running more because they like it. And if you could translate that into the human population, it's the difference between being able to live independently in your own home, you know, jog down to the shop to buy the paper in the morning or having to feel your world kind of contract around you, right. not so being key, able so the to key go to basic, The key yeah. to all of this is controlling senescent cells. If you can get to the core of that, that seems to be the key to life extension, yes? The, the, now you, this is where the caveats started coming. It's clear that at least one angle of attack would be to either get rid of senescent cells, there are groups that are working on that, stop them being senescent under certain indications, which is something I'm very interested in. One of the things that I think is currently unknown is how big the effect of the different aging mechanisms we know about is in different species. So in mice, when you get rid of senescent cells, you can see a 30 to 40% increase in lifespan. Whether wow. you would see an extension, whether in fact, and the reason you're seeing the extension in lifespan is the animal is healthier. This is an important point to stress. Sick things tend to die. Healthy things tend to live. Mm -hmm. So if you are like most reputable gerontologists most of the time, trying to improve health, you get the lifespan extension as a kind of you know, beneficial side effect. But we could be on the verge of real improvements in the health of our older population, and that is something we sorely need. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? And basically have conversations 
questions that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Is there any um, research into animals that naturally seem to live greater lifespans? I'm, I, I think it's, I know there's some tortoise, tortoise, it might be the Galapagos tortoise or something, that seems to, on average, live well past 100 years. Are, 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 is anybody looking to those kind of animals that have natural longevity to see if there's something there? Some, but not much, because if you think about the difficulties, I know, you ever seen a Galapagos tortoise? Uh, or the Mauritian giant tortoise. I, I actually honeymooned. I, yeah, I, I, I did. I honeymooned in Mauritius specifically to see a Mauritian giant tortoise. Wow! And did you? And they, they I did. And they, they're misnamed. It shouldn't be called the Mauritian giant tortoise. It should be called the Jesus Christ. That thing's the size of a sofa <laughs> tortoise, which kind of give you know. And, and this kind of. Now, there's a picture of me and the tortoise, and you know, one of us is wrinklier than the other, but not by much. Um, and you know, this illustrates the problem. It's it's very, very difficult to do research or maintain um, a colony of, of Mauritian giant tortoises that you could study. You know, um, some whale species are noticeably longer lived than humans, but I would love to see the grant committee. You know, I, I, I just need a few, you know, hundred million to maintain. <laughs> but you let me ask you a question. To Jason's yeah. point, though, there are microbes that have been discovered that they think are thousands of years old that are still metabolically functioning, and, and certain jellyfish yeah, can, being, repro- yeah. can reproduce and start all over again. I mean, they... they if no, I, I, would, I was going to say there's a couple... The, you know, there's a difference between holding an organism you know, in sort of stasis for a long period of time. You know, we maintain, we routinely maintain bacteria frozen at minus 80 for decades and pull them out when we need them. There are species that are tractable, that are what we call non-aging, by which I mean, as I said, you know, our chances, your chance of death goes up exponentially. But if you are one of this select number of species your chance of death stays fixed. And if you've ever had clam chowder, you've eaten these guys <laughs> because it's the quahog. 
<laughs> All right. And the, the clams in your bowl of clam chowder were probably older than you were. And the um, I feel terrible. Uh, the, the old, I feel no, no, don't, don't, don't. It gets <laughs> Wait a minute. I got to sit, because, sit with that for a second. I think I just oh gave up clam God. chowder. Yeah. Yeah. The clam chowder's yeah. in the bowl you're in your fireball. The potential <laughs> that I've destroyed. The, the potential. Potentially. I'm not, you know, you know, look, don't sue if it turns out yeah. they're younger than you. But also on the positive um, side, what were they doing that was so exciting <laughs> that I shouldn't enjoy a nice clam chowder? But you know what else I think? Yeah. Well, the clam's going up in around 200 years. Really? Yeah. Really? Right. They're going to take me now for his soup? <laughs> right. What the hell? Yeah. Wow. I was just the about to cure oldest. cancer, and now I'm in Manhattan or New England. <laughs> Sir. Progresso. <laughs> <laughs> the very oldest clams are the uh, are so old that um, Shakespeare could have had them. The very oldest clay hogs are so old that Shakespeare could have had them in a bowl of stew. And this came out in a project <laughs> oh, quite a few years ago now, which led to a kind of car crash interview for me because the guys who were doing the work got in touch with me. And in a kind of um, round-the-houses thing, I suddenly found myself on radio being accused of finding the world's oldest animal and then killing it, <laughs> which is, is, is kind of hard one to, you know, you know I, it's a bit of a curveball when you're yeah. a bit jet-lagged and yeah. you come in. But to go back to Jason's original point, that is a species that is small enough to work on. Ah. Um, you could potentially look at extremely long life. One of the interesting things that we also tend to do is we like to look at species that have shorter lifespans than ours just because we kind of like to get the study done while we're all still alive. <laughs> and so there's, um, there's particular interest, um, you know, it's one of those things. Sure. If anybody is amenable to a lifetime's worth of funding, then I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, to oh, my God. It makes a lot of but sense. I, I suspect not. You bring up a good bridge into some of the ethical questions and moral questions around this research. You know, uh, the most basic of which being, I see every reason to be increasing the, the health of, of our health as we live and as we age. But are we, are we potentially doing great harm by trying to increase substantially the longevity of human life? There, I think particularly well, about you know, yeah. overpopulation. I think about the resources that we have on this planet. Uh, if we're going to continue to make babies at the at the rate that we do, and the average lifespan becomes 100, 120, 125 plus years, what are, what problems are we creating? And not to mention that my kid's still going to be living me at, 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 at 78. Yeah, yeah. he's drain on you he's now. Like like come up for dinner. You'll ne you won't retire till you're 160, <laughs> Peter. 160? <laughs> I wish I had a pension to 160. <laughs> From your mouth, man. I mean, yeah. In the side, you're making there there are. Uh, you you actually put your finger on a very important point. Oddly enough, have you been reading my papers that I've just submitted? I am fascinated by everything that is right. New. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. What can I say? Are uh, you doing anything after this? Um, but uh, but effectively, you know, this is an this is a really important point about the ethics. I take this pretty seriously, um, and one of the things it's it's not often said, but it's there running through everything we do as scientists. The unspoken social contract between the scientific community and the broader public is basically that we only use our powers for good. Right. 
okay, so that we only do things that are of social benefit. And there is absolutely out there no mass support for greatly extended lifespans. Mm -hmm. It's there, but it's a minority position, a distinct minority position. Um, Because uh, strangely enough, you know, always coupled with um, lifespan extension is overpopulation. You know, when was the last time you had kids? I've 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 done it once, and I'm really not. I'm not. You know, I'm. I'm. You know, I have a longer life expectancy than I would have done in 1900. I'm not rubbing my hands together and saying, "Hey, bring on!" You know, bring on the nap changing. I can't wait. Well, yeah, and but so I also there is know Alec Baldwin, you know, who you know, Alec Baldwin is 47. Yeah. Well, what's I mean, name, it's, uh, uh, Nick yeah. Cannon. Nick Cannon is just is, is, yeah, yeah. But I'm I I do know older people. I mean, people in their 70s that are continuing to have children and yeah i mean i'm yeah i'm no i'm not saying it doesn't happen i'm just saying it's not automatic right all right the increases in the healthy period of the life that we see in experimental animals in the laboratory into the american healthcare system saves about seven trillion dollars gross you're talking about the u.s saving money roughly equivalent to about 40% of all the gold ever mined, or enough to give everybody on Earth clean drinking water for about the next three decades. So if we don't go down that road, and we don't start treating the ill health in later life, we're going to spend more money than ever before to keep more people than ever yeah. before, more yeah. miserable than ever before. I kind of have yeah. trouble seeing that as a win. Yeah, yeah. The amazing thing is the scientific advances. Just my wife, I look at my wife. We used to have the uh, the trumpet, the ear trumpet way back for hearing impaired. And then you had hearing aids, and now she has a cochlear implant. That stuff is advancing pretty rapidly as far as technological advances. Are we advancing that rapidly in health? Yeah, I, I think we, I think, I think that we are at a point in later life disease Roughly equivalent to, you know, it's about 1940, 1938, and antibiotics are just on the scene. Wow, all right. Wow. So, you know, if you think think about the analogy, it kind of sticks. You know, if you had an infected tooth and a time machine, you sure as hell would dial in some point, you know, after about 1960 to get it treated. Right. And it does flag up something important, which I think not a lot of politicians and policymakers are um, alert to yet, though that is changing, which is we are not the only people talking about this. And quietly but persistently, countries are gearing up to move into this space. And the countries and companies that have the production facilities and hold the patents on these new drugs will have a commanding lead for good or ill in 21st century healthcare. And you just so, hope that it's affordable. You know, it's Maybe, fun yeah. to talk about. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But and then the inequality seeps into that, et cetera. And like you said, I hope good rather than evil. But in the science community, I noticed people are tending now to exaggerate findings, to tease what's going on because they want funding. They want to cut through and make noise. Like what? 
Give me a for instance. Like you're going to live forever. What have you heard? <laughs> oh, like in 10 minutes, forever? you're going to, yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of claim. It's a huge claim that grabs you. We did a show about it just now because we saw this futurist who said you could reach that point. But he's also talking about, Kurzweil was talking about not only medications, but engineering, nanotechnology. nanobots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's talking about making human beings somewhat less human in order to, to but you also have you have like a David Sinclair who's doing research who makes claims also, and that uh, there are people probably on the planet now that are 150 and we just don't know it. Um, and then you see the guy driving a car at 109. You know, they, they, yeah, so you see is, those headlines. Yeah. They kind of push out the sense that maybe we're not seeing it. My but the, aunt Vivian is 92 and she's driving a car, and I don't. And we should say tell her to take give you the well, keys. You know, it's enough already, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, first yeah. of all, where I is mean, she going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, but that's the important she thing. Needs you know a what? Car, I think right? I think, and you'll all agree with this: the people who live the longest have purpose. Well, sure. There you go. Yes. So your Aunt Vivian has a purpose. Well, I'll, I'll push back on that. <laughs> I mean, you know, the way I tend to, yeah, the way I tend to look at it, guys, is this. With, with I think you've identified a really important point, Peter, and my answer is a pretty blunt one, which is if scientists start talking like science fiction authors, where will the public go Thank you, scientists? Right. Yep. Yep. That is really important to me. We have a duty to inform. We do not have a duty oh, to mislead. Yeah, right. yeah, but so many, yeah, man. I like you know, and, yeah. and, but again, it's part of the, and so, you know, sometimes it's accidental. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's misplaced enthusiasm. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. You know, that, that's, you know, again, you know, malice, I, malice, I think is probably sitting at the, the bottom of the list. One of the, you know, one of the things a lot of scientists often have trouble with is they honestly can't believe that people don't know as much about cyclin-dependent kinase inhibition. Um, because what else do people talk about in the years? Really? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, it's embarrassing. You know, My takeaway from this whole thing yeah, I, I know, is no, know, matter what, you know, no matter what the professor's working on and all of his colleagues, not you and me. We ain't gonna get to us. We're creeping. We're I. creeping toward it. <laughs> yeah. We're minutes away. We are a little. We're going a little faster than he is. Baba Ramdas, <laughs> be here now because tomorrow uh, closer, closer but, than you the think. other thing. I yeah. I mean, the other thing I would say, gents, um, with we're into prediction, and it's actually it's it's a, it's a pivot away from my day job. But I have uh, a dirty little hobby that I'm happy to admit to live, huh? which is. I collect old visions of the future. You know those cities of Bry Nylon and Teflon on the moon that we should sure, be living oh, in sure. now, but yeah. we're not. And <laughs> there's a serious point to this, which is we don't, you know, nobody has an accurate picture of, we, we have no accurate data of what the world of 2063 will look like. Okay. Right. What we do have is we have a vast amount of data about what people thought the world 30 years from the point at which they were writing would look like. Right. And when you look at that stuff on block, what you find is the ideas are just not worthwhile. There's one, well, I'm not going to name names, but. Um, but it does make me laugh. There's, it's written in the 60s, and you can see that the guy's kind of been inspired by 2001. And he's a serious scientist, okay, or fairly serious scientist. 
And in his imagination, the world of today is the whole planet's crust is gridded with these kind of vacuum tubes that serve as subways, you know, and you just know that it's kind of a cylindrical thing that moves through it. And it's traveling at multiple times the speed of sound so we can be in Japan in a couple of hours. But we have to stop at stations and use a call box to ring home. <laughs> okay. And, you know, sure, this right. is and that right. kind of so thing. So you have the vision because it's all, off, you know, just a tad. Yeah. Just a tad. I have a vision in 2063. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I, had a, I had a vision after some bootleg spirit I had in But why do we? I'm just hoping 2063 Seinfeld's still in syndication. That's my only hope for the future. And you know yeah. what? I wish that for you to... Thank Professor, you. thank you. I hope so, you because are... I actually missed it. I was in the lab when it was running. I've been watching. Well, I, I hear this it's is, this has changed strong. my life. I, you'll, you'll enjoy it, yeah. I think. And you'll learn yeah. so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso. I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Wilgelheim has joined us. The interesting thing about the aging topic in gerontology is like you said, I'm going to have a gym membership for 40 years that I don't go to. Right. 
You know, there's things. It's, it's your favorite line. My doctor said if I got on the treadmill every day, I would live an extra 10 years. And you said, yes, 10, years, a, of 10 years of treadmill. 10 years of treadmill. <laughs> so it's that. And then it's what my son Noah said oh, when, when he brief. heard that, you know, people could live possibly to 150 years old. And his first, and he was about 10 or 12 years old when, when he heard this. And he went, first thing out of his mouth, he goes, well, that's the end of marriage. I went, what are you talking about? <laughs> he said, well, most people, they meet somebody when they're 30. They get married when they're 30. You know, they're together 30 years. You're 60. You go, all right, how long have I got? You tough it out. But have I got another 50 years after that? <laughs> and by the way, what's the secret of your long marriage? 80 years. You, I haven't been able to hear. I can't get out of the house. I can't, I can't move. I can't walk. The other thing is that our grandparents used to look old. Grandparents today don't look. Nobody looks I'm old. I'm a grandfather. Look at me. Don't you make one kind And by the way, to David, this is going to impact David. Yeah. He's in Florida. Imagine how many people are going to be moving to Florida. Florida's going to tip and fall into the ocean. <laughs> I just tell you. And by the way, by the way, end of life. We have a thing. We have a product that Jason and I have been working on. That's right. Because this is a question that comes up all the time. My wife and I, we talk about, you know, what happens, living well. And my wife is, it, 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 my wife says, if I have a hair, for her, if she has a hair out of place and she can't fix it, pull the plug. I have a thing. My wife says, if you're in a vegetated state, what do you want me to do? And I go, well, how long have I, how long, how long have I been in this state? She goes, two months. I go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Am I bothering anybody? Because, you know, <laughs> something could happen. <laughs> something could turn it around. She's, I can see her. She's salivating to pull the plug. She doesn't, she doesn't want the money going out the window. She doesn't want her life to be ruined by, I get it. But you and I came up with a, a Well, thing. because, and, and, and this may sound selfish, and I don't mean it as selfish. But I've worked really hard to provide. And I have in the living well, I would like to be a burden in my family. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like weekend at Burns. I want to go skiing. I want right. to go to games. Yeah. I don't care if I put some, yeah. put something under my arms. Like Larry David smell. and Kerr, put me in the, in the passenger seat. You can use the express line. Exactly. Put, a dove, <laughs> put something that smells nice under my arms if I'm starting to decay. Just make sure. What's, sure. The, what's the rush? What's the rush? Right. So my wife, I could see she loves me. She's great. Yeah. But I could see her. They say, you know what? Do you want to pull the plug? And she trips on the cord out of the hospital room and goes, sure. oh, oh, what happened? Oh, what happened? Or nobody's looking and my Yank. son, my, my Yank. Yeah. So we came up with a brand new product that I think is going to be hot. If you want to invest, this could be your opportunity. It's called to pull or not to pull with the word two in there, meaning TWL. By TWL, you need two fingerprints. That's right. Two fingerprints on the plug to get it out of the and wall. And it can't be the same fingerprint. <laughs> so it's you and somebody else. So in my case, it would be my wife. And my cousin Leonard, who lives, I believe, in Istanbul. <laughs> there you go. Let and, her find him. He's got an unlisted phone number. And mine would be a friend from high school who I haven't seen in 38 <laughs> years that she's got to find. So, and it could be uh, who knows where. But I'm just but saying. It's, it's like the nuclear code. You need two people exactly to turn the key. Like, two people at the uh, same time to pull it's that It's the plug. two. Two pull or not to pull. To pull. <laughs> I think we're on to something there. I think we're done. And by the way, our spouse is hearing this now. They're pulling the plug. <laughs> this was the incentive to pull the plug. Well, and by the way, every old, my, my wife had an Aunt Tessie. God bless her. I think she lived to 105. You and I knew Kirk Douglas. He lived. Oh, my gosh. Quite to old age. Uh, I do know a couple people. My mom was 98 when she passed, right? Every person I know, or with very little exception, when they get into that age, they don't, as the professor said, They're, they don't really want... But you know what, Jay? It's because... You know, Joan Rivers said this to me, which is really interesting. A friend died of hers, and she said, there are fewer and fewer people that I can say remember when to. And, that, and I was half-joking, but I meant it. If you have a reason to... You just... Yes. You, you need that a right. purpose. 
So I think when your mom or whatever, they lose the purpose. There's not, I've That's done right. it, I've been there. But then again, what would happen if you know you could live to 150? Can you invent a purpose with well, the if psychology? I told you, if I told you, honestly, this is a serious question. If I told you, you could live fairly healthfully, not, you know, fairly healthfully, 250 years. Now think about that, 250 years. Would you take it? I suppose, and what's the choice? Or what we can expect now. Well, I don't know. You know, I couldn't answer. I don't think so, because I can't even project what that looks like right. or, or if I'd be relevant or how you work. Right. You need a third job. Thir is a third life? What does that even look like? Right. I can't even wrap my head around that. But I will tell you, a Pew study asked people if they would like to live to 125. Yeah. And almost 60% said no. Well, that's what he was referencing. Yeah, they don't. I would say no, because I can tell you, at 63, I'm already, to, I, I'm already beginning to not understand the world. The, the ch I, I feel like technology is running away from me. Um, I, I feel like in some ways sensibilities are beyond my, you know, I grew up at a different time. So those you don't are feel the, as relevant. I, it's not even my relevance. It's not like, you know, I have to have a, a TV show. It's that because I can feel relevant. I don't mean relevant. I mean, but knowing tech, being able yeah, to know the music, like, the culture. I feel like I don't, I don't fit. I'm not contributing. Well, and by I'm the way, not, the other part of the alienation that, I, that I'm hearing is, What's a younger generation going to do with the under 50s with somebody who's 125 and still working because they resent the fact that they're not retiring because I need that job? Sure. So there's a lot of moving parts of that. Yeah. So I don't know. But if you told me it's 250 yeah. and I'm on a desert island with the Swedish bikini team, I'm, yeah. maybe I'm giving it But that thought. said, my father <laughs> who smoked and drank and blah, 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 made it to 92, almost 92. Mm. If, I, if, if I don't make it to 92, I, I want to talk to somebody. Guggenheim, what do you got? Yes, yeah, well, I, I love the idea of two poles, um, <laughs> although that's that's actually why God invented pillows. So, you know, oh, to get around oh, that. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, that's, a, that's a whole new meaning oh. to my pillow. <laughs> wow, David. Oh, wow, wow. oh, my God. Just, uh, yeah, keep, uh, your two, uh, keep your plug. Just yeah. step out of the room for a minute. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't think you were one. Hold us on, David. We need a little more happened. research. A yeah. little more research. Yeah. Yeah, let's, get, let's get back to R&D. I think pillowless healthcare, I think, what we're looking at oh my god oh my god wow you did yeah. your job you yeah. did your job you yeah. did your job with the pillow i think you yeah. you completely is that it <laughs> no, what right. do you got? nothing that will help us keep longer home. but yes anything uh, well, I, I, I can't keep people alive longer. I certainly don't know more than the doctor, but I do know <laughs> that uh, according to Statista, a uh, market consumer data firm, globally, the anti-aging market as of 2021 is 62.6 billion dollars worldwide. Yeah. And it is expected to go up to 93 billion each year in 2027. I think they should spend as much as they got <laughs> to help us out here. <laughs> and it's the anti-aging market, but it's really, what does that mean? You mean the, like the surgeries and the cosmetics everything, and the- Everything about it. Botox, there's all sorts of different laser uh, sure. treatments for your- Chemical peels that we're sure. all familiar with. Right. Yeah. High intensity focused ultrasound okay. treatments. Okay, right. sure. Why not? Fillers, fillers such yeah. as uh, hydrologic acid-based gel, which gives you a nice 
defined chin. Sure. Uh, you also have Not electromagnetic. Not me necessarily, but I hear, I hear what no. you're saying. Yeah. No, it's Martha Peter thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's oh, more I have a chin. You son of a. You son no, of a. That's a compliment. I no. don't have a chin because I'm not going to Bye, David. That was a, I got it with the yeah. I'm really upset with the pillow thing. I completely blindsided me. That's horrible. <laughs> okay. All so I know is what, what is the pre prevagen? If you eat a jellyfish, you, you, you don't lose your mind. I'm eating clams nonstop from now until the day I die. By the way, I think they should relabel clam soup. <laughs> with, with the age, okay? <laughs> I got to tell you, right now there's about a billion clams going, oh my God, they're on to it. This should be eaten, this should be eaten before 1846. <laughs> really? No, really. Really? No, really. Thank you to our producers, Lori Crimi and David Guggenheim. Thank you, everybody listening. Uh, this is the Really No Really podcast, available at the iHeart app, at the Apple app, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, we're here. And remember to like and subscribe. And we drop a new episode every Tuesday. How do I know that? I am aging in dog years from dropping. And by the way, release drop is a. Oh, you want release? Yeah, we release a new episode? No, that's right. You think that's, that's better? No, I know. Yeah. It comes out every Tuesday. <laughs> no, whatever. Even, right. Something happens Tuesdays. Yeah. See really? No, See really. really? No, really. Pillows. Really. I got I to get rid of pillows. <laughs> <laughs>Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.